Can Donald Trump and the Republicans steal the election in the battleground state of Pennsylvania? On this episode, I talk to the state's attorney general about what's happening in that crucial swing state and whether Democrats can win it back in 2020. Joining me now to discuss is Dave Sirota. David Sirota, you were the first person that popped into my brain when I heard Fourth Amendment. Does that have David Sirota worried? Boston Globe has now started picking up and running with a potentially politically deadly story that was first unearthed by the great David Sirota. God bless this guy, David Sirota. I love that guy. David Sirota is not a journalist. He's a hack. Even the New York Times has called you a populist rabble rouser. Okay? Are you a Che Guevara? Are you a Che Guevara for our age? Uh, and you look forward to a day when college students wear your face on their shirt and don't know what you did? The entire election could come down to the state of Pennsylvania. Donald Trump won it in 2016, and the polls this time around are really close. As Democrats have been requesting more ballots than Republicans under Pennsylvania's new vote-by-mail system, Trump and Republicans have been trying to limit that system in ways that critics say are designed to suppress turnout. There are also fears that Republican lawmakers in the state legislature will try to steal Pennsylvania's Electoral College electors for Trump after the election is over. For insight into what's happening in the state, I caught up with Pennsylvania's Democratic Attorney General Josh Shapiro. He's running for his second term there and has been in court in a series of cases about the election. To start our conversation, I asked Josh to tell us about his recent case against the U.S. Postal Service. Here's our discussion. Look, we scored a major victory in federal court when it comes to our litigation against the Postal Service. But before I get into the legal aspects of it, let's take a step back because there's been a ton of noise about this. There's been you know, pictures of mailboxes rolling down the street and sorting machines thrown out the back. Our lawsuit actually focused on something a little bit more boring, but a lot more important. And that is that back in July, Louis DeJoy, the the president's handpicked crony for postmaster general, made operational changes at the Postal Service that we proved slowed down the mail. And furthermore, we demonstrated that those operational changes were required to go through a regulatory process before they could be implemented. And he failed to do that, which made those changes illegal. And so we went to court to say, you've got to roll back those changes in July, and you've got to go back to having the mail flow at its proper uh, rate. The good news is uh, we were able to uh, convince the judge that we were right, Louis DeJoy and President Trump were wrong. And now those changes are going to be rolled back. And in theory, the mail is going to start flowing on time. Let me give you an example of one of those changes. Um, A postal worker, and by the way, we should note, these postal workers did nothing wrong. They're they're heroes, man. But they are being messed around with by the leadership at the top. Typically, a postal worker would show up for his or her route, load up the truck, leave once the truck is loaded up, deliver all the mail and come back when the mail is done being delivered. Louis DeJoy's changes said you gotta leave at a set time and come back at a set time, whether your truck is fully loaded or whether your truck has been emptied out, meaning all the deliveries were done. And as a result of that, mail wasn't being delivered. We have veterans who testified that they weren't getting their prescription drugs from the VA on time, small business owners not getting their 
their checks on time. And of course, people were worried about election mail. And because I don't believe anything Louis DeJoy says or Donald Trump says, one of the things we sought from the judge is some kind of independent verification system to be able to show that the Postal Service actually rolled back these changes. And so we won in court. Uh, and hopefully now we will get the president and, and his crony to stop screwing around with our mail so people can have faith and confidence in, uh, in, in this important system. So the question separate from the case is how confident do you think people should be about voting by mail let's say in Pennsylvania or really since it is a federal system the you know the the, the entire country unless, unless you think they may try to screw with the mail in specific states that are that are swing states i'm i'm not suggesting you're 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 saying that but i just like i'm in colorado and we vote by mail here that is the system and there is this question of like should I, is it insane to even put my ballot in the mail? Should I bring it to a drop box? Should I go vote in person? Like, where's your thinking on this? I voted by mail in the primary. I wouldn't hesitate to vote by mail again. And here in Pennsylvania, we'll have about 6 million people vote in this election. And if sort of the projections hold up based upon the number of people who've already requested mail-in ballots, about 3 million will vote by mail. So roughly half of of the electorate. Uh, I d wouldn't hesitate to vote by mail. And I think now that we've got the issues with the Postal Service squared away, I think it's it's even more reason for the people to be confident. Now, separately, and I'm sure we'll get into this, we have a tax coming from the President of the United States to actually undermine our vote by mail system. We can talk more about that litigation separately. But as it relates to the mail, um, I have confidence in our system. So tell me about what you're referring to. So Donald Trump, and his campaign and his enablers have actually sued us, David, here in Pennsylvania to make it harder for people to vote by mail. Think, Just put aside your, your perspective on Donald Trump for a moment. Think about this. We have a sitting president of the United States of America suing to make it harder for people to participate in our democracy. Legal, eligible voters. He wants fewer to vote. Why, David? Because two-thirds of the people who have requested ballots uh, to vote by mail here in Pennsylvania are Democrats. He's trying to silence voices that he doesn't want to hear. So uh, he has sued us, and we went to court. Uh, this is federal court, David. And um, the central argument by Donald Trump and, and his enablers was there's all kinds of fraud in Pennsylvania, so we can't trust the system. So I quite literally said, okay, Mr. President, put up or shut up, demonstrate the fraud. And they demonstrated no fraud. They, they couldn't represent anything to the court that there was fraud, and the judge ultimately stayed that case. On a separate case, our state Supreme Court ruled that the vote-by-mail statute is constitutional. And now we're continuing to face litigation from the president to try and make it harder for people to vote here in Pennsylvania, to try and create a system where black and brown communities can be unfairly targeted with out-of-county poll workers uh, who would come in and try and, uh, you know, make it harder for them to vote. Well, Here's the thing. And I'm let just me, not going to stand for it. We're going to keep fighting back. And so let me ask, when you say make it harder to vote, what specifically is the Trump campaign 
arguing in court and what what exactly would become harder if they are successful? Sure. It's a great question. So you mentioned before that you might drop your ballot off in Colorado in a drop box, right? Right. And um, people do that all over the country. In our neighbor, you know, neighboring state of New Jersey, for example, they do that. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, Donald Trump is suing to try and get rid of drop boxes so that people can't drop their ballots off to confuse the process, to make it harder. That's one example. Another example is we've had a longstanding law here in Pennsylvania that says if you're going to be a poll worker or poll watcher, something I'm sure you do in Colorado and people do all across the country, you have to be from that county. That's been the law for decades. Why? Because it's a neighborhood deal, right, David? I mean, you show up at the polls, your neighbor or someone from your community is there and you know, they keep an eye on things or they inform you or educate you, whatever. That's the way the system's always worked. Well, now Donald Trump wants to change that through the courts to make it so people from out of county can come in and be a poll worker in a different county. Now, on its face, right, one of your listeners, David, might say, well, I don't know, that sounds sort of benign as long as they're from Pennsylvania, it's okay. Yeah, until you're bringing in, you know, one of the Proud Boys from a different county to go stand in uh, predominantly black and brown communities and make it harder uh, for people to vote there because you're intimidating them on their way into the polls. This is what Donald Trump is up to in the battleground state in our nation. And we are fighting back in court to stop him. So the the reference that he made in the debate uh, to Philadelphia, um, let's, let's talk about that before we get into sure. the, the, the Proud Boys situation. I mean, he ba he basically said bad things happen in Philadelphia. I, what, what did you interpret that to mean, and and what do you think he was, what do you think he was trying to do by making a comment like that? Look, I don't spend a lot of time interpreting what the president says or tweets, and and also by the way, I think journalists do a disservice to the public when they try to discern what he meant or say that it was a misunderstanding or we're not sure. Here's the deal. The president lied, period. End of sentence. Hard stop. He, he came after my home lying and whining about these, quote, bad things that are going to happen in, in Philadelphia. Um, democracy, as you know, happened in Philadelphia. You're a Philly boy. And um, it's that very democracy he's trying to undermine with his lies. He claims, let's talk about the facts. I'll nerd out on you for a minute here on, on the law. He claims that his poll watchers were denied access to an early voting center, right? That's what he said. And then from that, he said bad things are happening in Philadelphia. Okay, first off, he has no poll watchers registered in the city of Philadelphia, number one. Number two, our laws don't allow for poll watchers for any candidate or any party at an early voting center. Our laws only allow for uh, poll watchers to be on election day at polling sites as defined by the various county election offices. So what he's doing is he's lying to create a narrative of chaos in our voting system because he thinks that suits his political aim. But at the same time, what he's really doing is trying to undermine our democracy. Think about that for a second. We have a we have a president of the United States who's trying to undermine our democracy. And that is not only shameful, it's wrong. And I'm fighting him in court over the various attempts to do that. I'm certainly not going to allow him to mess with my state 
mess with the city of Philadelphia and lie about things. And I think we need to stop trying to figure out what Donald Trump means and just call him what he is. And that is a flat out liar. On the question of inciting or supporting white supremacist groups, he basically, uh, you know, the the whole comment about uh, stand by, you know, stand back, stand by. I guess the the and then he's also saying he wants his people to go to the polls to to watch for bad things to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are allowed uh, under certain with certain restrictions to have people either poll watching or or sort of near a polling station right. far away from it, but still you know making your voice heard on election day. I, on election day. I mean, I guess the question is is like what. What can be done to to prevent voter intimidation in a situation like that? But also, what does the what do the laws and the constitution say that people are allowed to do? And where's the 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 kind of the the proper balance between you have a right to to have poll watchers and to you know protest uh, you know at a, at a distance on a, at a near a, near a polling station that's a kind of civil liberties question versus you're actually intimidating voters i mean where's the where's the proper balance there yeah look i mean it's it's the same debate we always have over a proper balance between you know free speech and inciting violence right there is a line that you can't cross and and understand that we're litigating right now in court donald trump's attempts to allow people from other counties to be poll watchers, and I'm making air quotes, you probably can't see that on the podcast here, um, you know, to be poll workers in different counties, which is designed to be able to bring people into places like Philadelphia and intimidate certain voters. But I wanna, I wanna step back and make a broader point about the Proud Boys and, and, and white supremacist groups. You know, Donald Trump's own FBI director said, you know, David's probably two or three weeks ago now at this point, that, that racially motivated violent extremists like white supremacists, that they've been responsible for the most lethal attacks in the United States in, in recent years. Go ask the people of Pittsburgh um, who saw what happened at, at the Tree of Life synagogue about the dangers of white supremacists and these people spewing that, that kind of hate. And his own FBI director, went on to say the bulk of domestic terrorism threats are from people subscribing to some kind of white supremacist type ideology. It's a real problem. And we need a president who's going to address this with some moral clarity, not give the proud boys a wink and a nod, tell them to be ready, you know, excite them to the point where they've changed you know, their online profile and celebrated uh, what the president has said. We don't want to let, you know, a group that's been described as a hate group, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, we don't want to let them, quote, stand by, as as the president said. Uh, that is something that we take very seriously. I can tell you that incidents of hate speech and and the violence associated with that type of, of hate speech have been on the rise here in Pennsylvania and indeed across the country over the last four years whether it's uh, directly due to the president making a racist statement or the president allowing his words to be misappropriated by hate groups like the Proud Boys and used as an excuse to incite violence in our communities. We can't allow that. Uh, and, and we're not going to here in Pennsylvania. The question about 
the election and then afterwards, uh, the there was the Atlantic piece that that offered a potential future in which Pennsylvania, the uh, election is very close. There are deadlines for states to essentially send their electors uh, to the Electoral College. And there's this question about what the Pennsylvania Republicans could do in the legislature yeah. to potentially mess with that situation. I guess, can you can you walk us through what a yeah. potentially disastrous situation is, what's real, what's not real, what you expect? Yeah, look, we, we can't take the bait on this one. Um, and look, the Atlantic wrote a long piece, but you know, we, we've got to focus on the law, not, not on the rhetoric. Pennsylvania law is crystal clear. The, the General Assembly, so that's our state house and our state senate, the General Assembly cannot ignore the popular vote and just choose their own presidential electors. The General Assembly made that law. And so confusing voters with this type of misinformation, it's, it's absurd. Uh, it's irresponsible. And by the way, don't take my word for it. The Republican leader of the Pennsylvania Senate, who was actually cited in that Atlantic article, he debunked this nonsense uh, as well. So we're not going to allow any interference in, in our Pennsylvania election. And whichever candidate earns the most votes will have 100 percent of our Pennsylvania electors. I mean, the question, though, is what what happens if there's a recount uh, or there's a question of which way the election goes, the popular vote election goes, and then the state is up against the deadline to send the electors to the electoral college? I mean, is there is there any chance that there's a situation in which whatever happened in the election is still in question and the legislature essentially has to act? I, I don't see that scenario. But I will tell you, um, and I'm not going to get into it in this forum, but I will tell you that we are preparing for all kinds of scenarios, scenarios leading up to Election Day, scenarios on Election Day, and then scenarios after Election Day. So we are well versed in the law and we're prepared for what may come. Um, I don't envision that happening. I actually uh, am confident, you know, putting my political hat on for a moment, I'm confident Joe Biden wins this election by a, a margin much greater than what Donald Trump wanted by last time, which was 44,000 votes out of about 6 million cast. Nevertheless, we're prepared and, and we will follow the rule of law. And the rule of law makes clear that it's the popular will that will determine the electors, not legislators. One other question about the Republicans in the state, um, in the legislature and and elsewhere, I guess somewhat separate from the Trump campaign. Have they been – I'm talking about Pennsylvania Republicans. Have they been, in your view, uh, I guess helpful, not helpful on the side of Trump to make voting harder? Have they been – have they tried to – sort of stand back from what's going on? I mean, what what role are they playing and what role can they play? Look, I, I think there's a lot of responsible lawmakers in Harrisburg, Republicans and Democrats. And then there's a bunch of Republicans who just can't seem to, you know, suck up to Donald Trump, you know, enough. And, and they're his enablers. Uh, they're led by the chief enabler here in Pennsylvania, Pat Toomey, who's just a spineless, pathetic, uh, you know, creature. But they are constantly doing their part to uh, suck up to, to Trump and, and to make it seem like they have, uh, they have his back. 
I think at the end of the day, what is sort of laughable uh, in, in, in this cynical environment we're in is that, you know, more Republicans voted to create vote by mail in Pennsylvania than Democrats did, David. Uh, they actually led the way on these reforms. And, and that was only a year and a half ago, David, like literally in 2019. And then as soon as Donald Trump starts tweeting stuff about them, they get scared and they backtrack. Um, and the hypocrisy is is actually pretty shocking. Again, there's some responsible folks who are trying to do the right thing. And then you've got some of these folks who who follow Pat Toomey's lead and they just act as Donald Trump's enabler every single day. And it, it's sad to watch. But I think at the end of the day, our democracy and our system of laws, both here in Pennsylvania and across the country, is far stronger uh, than Donald Trump. One last question just about the election in general. Um, a lot of people certainly right now are thinking back to 2016, that night when Donald Trump won and Pennsylvania yeah. uh, was was crucial for Donald Trump to win. It flipped to the Republicans. And there was a there was a quote that Chuck Schumer had said uh, before the election, in which he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, he was asked about potential Democratic weakness among working class Pennsylvania voters. And he said so something to the effect of for every uh, working class person we may lose in Western Pennsylvania, we're going to get two uh, suburban Republicans to vote for the Democrats in, in 2016. And of course, that didn't really happen. Mm -hmm. I guess the question is, has do you sense that things have have changed in general for the Democrats heading into the election? Was Schumer was that I guess theory that he had put out there about a place like Pennsylvania was it wrong? Do you think the Democrats have now figured out that that's a wrong way to look at things? If you think it's wrong, where do you come down on that? Yeah. Well, look, election night 2016, Donald Trump wins Pennsylvania by 44,000 votes. Um, but I win Pennsylvania as a Democratic attorney general by 200,000 votes. And it wasn't um, based on Chuck Schumer's theory of the case. Uh, I didn't win because I got more votes in the Philadelphia suburbs. We did very well there, but I didn't run you know, 250,000 votes ahead of Hillary Clinton in the Philadelphia suburbs. Truth is, um, I made up that you know those quarter million votes in communities that have often been forgotten by Democrats, in places like Johnstown, and Wilkes-Barre, and Scranton, and areas like that that the National Democrats have largely ignored, um, communities where the pandemic, uh, you know, is is raging and the inequality, the economic inequality is is laid bare day in and day out, particularly during coronavirus. Communities where consumers get screwed and corporations get richer off their backs. These are the communities that um, ironically put Donald Trump over the top, even though Donald Trump uh, has consistently worked against their interests. And so I think that you know, as we look to 2020, there are some different dynamics and there's some similar ones. Uh, number one, um, I think our party needs to do a better job of communicating to those neighborhoods that have been forgotten. I know I'm working very hard there, and I think nationally Democrats need to do that. Now, Joe Biden is from Scranton. He's from one of those towns. I think he gets it. Um, but I think we need to focus on making sure that uh, that those sort of economic issues, the inequality issues, are forefront in people's minds. Now, interestingly enough, Chuck Schumer's theory of the case with 
suburbanites didn't play out in 2016. It may actually play out, though, in 2020. If you kind of dive into the polling, you dive into what's happening on the ground. And, you know, I think the data backs up my my gut on this, and that is the suburbs around Philadelphia, which are about three million people, the suburbs around Harrisburg, which is in sort of the south central part of our state, and the suburbs around Pittsburgh, which is in the southwestern part of our state. Um, those areas are trending much more uh, toward Democratic candidates and, and Joe Biden in particular. So I think you will see some gains there. Uh, and you know, I feel, uh, I feel confident, although I'm not taking my foot off the gas, uh, that will not only win on election night, but this time the, the overall ballot will look different. The top of the ticket will win as well. Attorney General Josh Shapiro, thanks so much for taking the time today. Good to be with you, David. Thank you.